You're listening to That's the Industry Podcast, episode number 25. Today, you're going to learn how to unlock your inner greatness through spiritual channeling. Here we go. You're listening to That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. The podcast that takes you inside all the aspects of the entertainment industry directly from the people who are making it happen. And now, your host, Thomas Jordan. What's going on, everyone? Thomas Jordan here for another episode. Today, we are joined by an author, speaker, meditation expert, and an intuitive guidance coach, Laura Saltman. How's it going? It's going very well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. I'm super stoked about this episode. Uh, So how did you get started in the industry? How did I get started in the industry? Well, it started when I was six. (laughs) (laughs) I was six years old and I went to my dad, worked in this building where they, they had KDKA, which was the local news affiliate in Pittsburgh, very famous station. And I remember walking down this hallway of servers, which of course I didn't know what they were at the time. Now I know they were servers, but there was like a hallway of servers and then it opening up and I, and I saw the lights and the cameras and I was like, that's it. So at six years old, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, that I wanted to be under those lights and in front of those cameras. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but from that moment on, I worked towards it through all sorts of various techniques. Some are hard work, some were annoying people, <laughs> some were networking, uh, some were what I would you know, say are lucky breaks. And I just did anything possible to, to make my dream come true. And, what, and so you, I know you wanted to be in front of the lights, in front of the camera. Where did that eventually lead to? Well, the, the irony being that I actually didn't enjoy local news. So I decided after I interned um, in college, I interned at a local station and I just decided it wasn't for me. I'm like, I don't want to really work in local news. And I started really focusing on entertainment. Now, this was a while ago. So at that time, there was only Entertainment Tonight. And I believe E! News had just started when I was in college. And this is a long time ago. And so I just decided I wanted to focus on entertainment. I I had been saying since probably end of my high school days that I didn't want to be a star. I wanted to interview the stars. So I really focused all my attention on celebrities and entertainment. And once I had that idea in my head, I decided I wanted to circumvent the local news arena and figure out a different way to, to get to be on Entertainment Tonight. That was my ultimate goal. By senior year of college, I wanted to be on Entertainment Tonight. Now, I know you didn't get to Entertainment Tonight. You eh, you fell short and got E! News and Access Hollywood, which, oh my God, is so bad. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I didn't actually make it on Entertainment Tonight, except that is actually untrue because oh. I have been on Entertainment Tonight and I have been on The Insider, if you remember The Insider. Yes. Pat O'Brien was the host. I was on I was on that as an expert. I was a pop culture expert. So I had been on there probably like three, four, five times. So I actually did get on there. But to me, Access Hollywood was just as good as Entertainment Tonight. And it was probably more aligned with uh, what I was doing at the time because I was more focused on um, covering television. So it definitely, I definitely reached that goal that I had set out to being on Access Hollywood and getting to be a uh, correspondent there. 
And how did you get the actual job? Because nowadays, and like you just mentioned, when I think, you know, when you were on your come up, there was just a couple stations and there wasn't such a saturation as there is now. So at that time, how did you actually get that job at Access or E? It goes back to what I said. A lot of it was mindset. A lot of it was hard work, determination, and really asking. So I knew what I wanted to do, and I knew that I wanted to be on camera. I kind of put it aside for a while just because I sort of let my inner voice talk me out of it. And, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit later on, but I'll give you more of the practical answer right now. So in the back of my mind, I knew I wanted to be on camera. I wasn't quite sure how to get there. I sort of put it aside. But then once an opportunity came my way, I just ran with it. So what ended up happening was I was working at um, Access Hollywood as a producer and I was covering American Idol. And this was in the, the beginning stages of American Idol. So this was, you know, the first couple of seasons. And I loved it so much and I loved covering it and I just kept covering it. And then I ended up dating somebody who worked uh, not on the show, but knew a lot of people on the show. So he was feeding me information about <laughs> behind the scenes uh, on American Idol. And that information became very, very valuable because back then, this was a show that was getting 28 or 30 million viewers at the time. So people were like eager and they wanted all that sort of you know, behind the scenes stuff. So I got some pretty good scoops here and there. And so my, one of my bosses at Access Hollywood came to me and said, Oh, would you want to write uh, an, an article, a blog for the website? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'll do it. So I started writing stuff about American Idol and what was going on backstage after I interviewed some of the contestants and the judges and Ryan. And that became insanely popular overnight for a blog to be that popular. They were like, whoa, people really care about this stuff. So maybe a few months later, they came back to me and they're like, oh, would you want to do a, a podcast about it? And I was like, okay. And this was like the first sort of iteration of podcasts. They're very different now than they were then. And then that podcast became a video podcast that we did digitally. And it was still doing very well. And so I then from that point on is when I took over. Once I had the, the entree, I decided to make the dessert. So I went and I just kept asking for things. I was like, well, you know, the blog's doing well. My podcast is doing well. Do you think that we could put some of this content online on accesshollywood.com? And they're like, yeah, sure. Why not? So we put some of that content on accesshollywood.com. And this was very rare at the time. A lot of people weren't doing video at the time. And so that did very well. And then that was like six months of that. And I obviously had proved myself that I could, you know, handle what was going on. And so then I came to my boss at Access Hollywood and I was like, could I get a little slot on the weekend show? Like maybe 60 seconds just to promote accesshollywood.com. He's like, all right, sure. Why not? Give it a try. So I did that. And then that 60 seconds turned into two minutes. And then from there, I then went and asked, can I get on the weekend show and do a segment about all sorts of stuff that doesn't get onto the regular show. And he's like, hey, I give it a try. Okay, why not? And then sure enough, that did very well. And then from there, it just sort of spiraled into that where I was getting calls from CNN and MSNBC and Chelsea Handler's show had me on. And it just kept going and going and going. At what point were you like, um, what is life right now? <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Probably when I put on my very first gown for the Emmys when I put on a Nicole Miller, like, oh my God, I'm wearing a Nicole Miller borrowed gown to go <laughs> to the Emmys and someone's doing my hair. Like, it makes me, it gets me like I want to cry. Like it chokes me up. Like I can't believe I was standing there 
on the red carpet at the Emmys in my borrowed gown and shoes and jewels. And not only that, but I was getting to interview all the people that I loved on the shows that I loved. It really was probably one of the you know best days of my life. And then the funny thing is that you actually, I think, take it for granted by the 10th or 11th time or 12th time <laughs> you've been there. You're like, okay, it's hot outside. Oh, it's going to be 100 degrees today for the Emmys. Come on. <laughs> So, and like you got to do all that cool stuff with access and then, you know, you did some stuff with the insider, all that good stuff. And then you started to, how did you get to start working with Ryan Seacrest? Well, I had actually left Access Hollywood, and this was before I ended up being on camera. I was working as a producer at Access Hollywood, and I moved from L.A. to New York City and was still working for Access. And then the Today Show actually stole me away from Access Hollywood, and I worked at the Today Show for a little bit. And then I just decided, you know, life circumstances take over, and I decided I wanted to go back to L.A., so I left the Today Show and totally randomly met um, Sharon Osbourne, and her team of producers, she was doing a talk show at the time at an Oscar party in L.A. when I was there for the Today Show. And they asked me if I wanted to work on her show. And I was like, OK, sure. Why not? So I moved out to L.A. from New York to work on Sharon's talk show. And I was only there for a few months. And then I got a job at On Air with Ryan Seacrest, which was Ryan's talk show that he ha- that he did. And so that's how I ended up working with Ryan. So that actually helped me backstage at American Idol as well, because I happened to work with Ryan. So he obviously would see me and, you know, we had a relationship in that sense, which was good. So that that really helped my my backstage presence at American Idol. I'm very grateful for um, American Idol because I feel like American Idol is actually what made my career at Access Hollywood. And, you know, they, over the years, have always said I was part of the American Idol family. And this is obviously before it moved to ABC. But that really, to me, American Idol made stars out of all those people, but it also made my career as well on camera. And so how did you go from all of that to an intuitive guidance coach? That's a great question. (laughs) Okay. So after having been in entertainment for 17 years um, and having so much gratitude and I loved all of the things I got to do, going to the Emmys, the Oscars, the Golden Globes, sitting inside at the Golden Globes like five or six times and feeling like you were not only, you know, of the party, but in the party has been amazing. I got to go to the Super Bowl. My team, the Steelers were playing and stand on the field. Like I've done some amazing things in my life working in entertainment news. But towards the end of my run at Access Hollywood, the industry had changed a lot. The social media aspect of it, the online aspect, all the gossip sites that were coming around, TMZ had come around, you know, later on towards the end of my career. And it had just changed. I feel like this the switch that changed everything was the Anna Nicole Smith trial, all of that stuff. And the, it just became very negative. And then with the onset of reality TV, it just, it changed. And everything, I called it the five Ds. Everything was about divorce, drama, drugs, debauchery. Like if you weren't talking about those things, then nobody was paying attention to what entertainment was news was doing. And I didn't get into the business for that. I got into it because I love movies and TV, more so television, but I love the behind the scenes. I want to know the gossip. I wanted to know the spoilers of what was coming up before anybody else could get them. I loved interviewing the people from The Voice and American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. But whenever I had to go out and do interviews with people who were, you know, in the five D's, 
it just was like soul sucking to me. I didn't like it. It didn't make me feel good. I didn't like being what felt like I was forced to ask people personal questions that I would never want anyone to ask me. Like it's none of my business. And it just felt like if I didn't ask those questions and I'm just being brutally honest with you, because I always want people to understand that entertainment news is not the end all be all. But I knew that if I didn't ask those questions, I was possibly going to either lose my position as, you know, a correspondent or even lose my job because I wasn't willing to go there. And I just decided that I, I, it wasn't me anymore. It wasn't who I wanted to be. And I made the decision, which was a tough decision. I was doing amazing things. I had made great contacts there. I had a dysfunctional family (laughs) at Access Hollywood that I loved and I miss to this day. But I just chose that I, because I just felt I needed to walk away from um, the negativity, not, you know, an Access Hollywood. I'm not knocking Access Hollywood. I'm more knocking the entertainment news industry as a whole. No, it's interesting. I mean, you literally took the words right out of my mouth and we had talked prior to this and and I got into this for the exact same reason and I'm still kind of in it. But like you said, the industry has changed. Like I had no interest in talking about whatever, if they had a scandal or they're, you know, if they're pregnant or what they're wearing, like, I want to know, like you said, like what's going on on set because like people don't know, you know, and I don't mind. I didn't mind talking to people like on a personal level, on a conversation level. But what I didn't like is that feeling of being forced to ask somebody about something that was in the news. And for the most part, there was always something that was in the news. And those are the people that they wanted, you know, those interviews from. And that's why they went after them. And it was, it was all very backhanded a little bit. And I just didn't appreciate that. It just, it didn't make me feel good on a soul level. And that still goes on to this day, as you, of course, know. Mm-hmm. And when you walked away, was it a, was it a tough pill to swallow? When I walked away, I had a son who was, I think, like two at the time. So for me, there was a little bit of, I really want to spend time with my son and going out to red carpets every night or on the weekends was taking away the time from him. So as much as I missed some of the things I was doing, I didn't miss those late night red carpets. I didn't miss being smushed in like sardines as we got to be over the years. So I'd say it's half and half. Half of me missed some of the, some of it and the other half was grateful that I was getting to be able to be with my son. But I also didn't leave the industry altogether. I ended up creating a production company with a partner and we were out pitching shows trying to put more positivity into the world and create shows that had quality content with a good, inspiring message. And I've noticed this now in reality TV in general, or just TV in general, uh, or entertainment. Why do you think that there's more focus on, like you said, the five D's than there are positivity? Because you like, I noticed that in local news as well. Um, it was just gloom and doom the entire you know, newscast, that's still how it is now. And at the very end, what they have is called a kicker. And it's like, it, then there's the positive, right? And it's just like they just sprinkle that in there to leave on a good note. But I just feel that a lot of the positive stuff doesn't hit like the five D's do. Well, that's your answer. You just answered your own question. And, and, the, and the truth is, and it's been this way for probably 10 years now, is those five D's rate the people who are watching and listening and going online or watching, you know, on OTT or even broadcast still, 
that rates better. And, and that's the sad thing about the world that we currently live in is that type of news is what gets people to tune in. And so because of that, then the news directors and the executive producers become focused on, we have to put this out there. I think, again, going back to TMZ, TMZ is what made the switch because everybody was, first of all, wanting to know the gossip and the dish and they wanted it fast, fast news. Like TMZ, of of course, always is the one to get it first because they have so many ins at the courts and whoever else they get their information. But it just there that stuff is interesting. It's like the way I, I look at the world right now through the lens of being a channel and a medium is we're a reality TV show. This is a reality TV show and we're all part of it. And you're a character and I'm a character and there's different subplots and, and there's, you know, universal themes that everybody can relate to. And to watch a show all about happiness and positivity would be super boring. Nobody's going to watch that. Right. And so that's how we work. We get excited for bad things to happen, which is sad but I feel that the good news is that is changing, that people are more open to seeing those feel-good stories, to wanting to, to get all the feels. I actually do a show on an uh, app called TV Co. for TV fans called All the Feels, and it's about shows that are putting that positive spin on things. And there's way more out there than there ever has been before when it comes to sharing stories. I think, Thomas, what needs to change, though, is it's okay to tell the bad story, but let's also include the good story along with it. Like we're, journalism to me is no longer balanced. It's all about let's share the bad, the bad, the bad, instead of here's what's happening that's good and also this is happening. I wish that we could change the conversation that way. And, and I, I, I agree with you 100%, but you said you channel it. What do you mean exactly you channeled it? Okay, so channeling. So here's the, the, the trick. So channeling basically means, you if you've heard of, obviously, the Long Island medium, um, Tyler Henry, the Hollywood medium, mediums can communicate with people who have crossed over. So, you know, people have passed away, spirits. And a channeler is somebody who can communicate with sort of like the universe. Like I can um, download information from this one energy that we all come from. So I do that every single day. I've written four books that are channeled books, and I'm basically channeling information through that connection. If you've heard of Law of Attraction, Esther Hicks, she is a channeler. She is channeling what she has deemed to be Abraham, which is a collective of spiritual energy. And there's other people who channel. There's a famous um, book series called Seth Speaks and the Seth material from a woman who channeled in the 70s. Her name was Jane Roberts. And there's actually tons of channeled information in the universe, like movies are channeled. Star Wars is a channeled work. I know it's crazy, but it really is because the theme of Star Wars is love versus fear. The Jedi is using the force of love and the Empire is using the darkness, the force of fear. And that actually, without the person writing it, or maybe they knew it, I don't even know, I'm not sure, but but it truly comes from that universal presence. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And you and when did you realize that you could do this? Yeah. Now we've made the switch from my practical life to my spiritual <laughs> life. Um, so when did I realize? Okay. So first of all, I do want to say this because I think it's super important that everybody who is listening to this knows this, that you are a channel. 
every single one of us on this planet and beyond are channels. You just haven't tuned in to your channel. All I have done that is different in this world is I have worked so long and so hard on my spiritual knowing that I have tuned my channel in. And so all you have to do to be a channel is do the work that it calls for to align to that. And so everyone's a channel. How did I get there is by doing the work that it takes. And that is, I have, I mean, so many different things. Like I, it started, I always knew I was a little bit something psychic. I didn't know what really what it was back in my early twenties. I was sensing energy and ghosts and, um, I could hear voices and, I sort of put it aside because here I am, you know, on the red carpet and in Hollywood. And I'm like, I don't want people to know like that I talk to dead people. And then it sort of became cool when um, Teresa Caputo was out there. Obviously, John Edward and people like that were out there. But I feel like Teresa Caputo really made it cool to be a medium. And then Tyler Henry really like, you know, inched it up with his show on E, the Hollywood medium. And so I just decided that I was going to be more open to discovering what that was. And my brother had died of cancer and my dad had passed away um, from suicide. And so I really wanted to connect with them and figure out, you know, how do I connect with them? So I worked with a spiritual um, life coach for two years. I took mediumship courses. I took clairvoyance courses. And I read every single book that had been written on spirituality. I listened to audio. And and I'm not just talking like here and there. We are talking that it's now been, uh, I guess, about six years of this doing this work. But this has been my college, essentially. I have been doing this. Now I'm in my master's degree. I do it all day, every day, alongside the other work that I'm doing. It has become my my most important element is to tune my channel as best as I can. And even though I'm there, there's always still t- more to be learned. And when, I mean, I love this sort of stuff cause I love Teresa's show. You know, I love, I like I'm into the whole spiritual universe stuff as well, but not, that's not the case with everybody. There's going to be skeptics out there. Um, and people would be like, wait, would you just, you, do you do what? <laughs> um, what do, what do you usually say to people who are skeptical of what you do? I say I was you. I have been there. I would have thought that people like, you know, John Edwards and Teresa Caputo and all those people who are famous in the mediumship world. I wasn't sure if I believed them. You can't begin to believe until you've seen it yourself, until you've experienced it yourself. So I always say to people, the most important thing you will do, the most important book you will write, the most important movie you will make, the most important poem, song is the one that you write because you have to experience it for yourself. You can listen to people talk, you can listen to mediums, you can watch shows, but until you've actually experienced it for yourself, you're never really going to step into the belief zone. So nobody can be in my shoes and use my eyes. And so they can't understand what I've been through in order to get myself to this place where I'm not just out here, you know, trying to convince you. I'm just out here being. I'm just out here being my myself because I know so much. I've seen so many miracles. I've seen so many coincidences and serendipities. I've experienced the power of messages and signs. I have channeled people who have crossed over with clients bawling their eyes out as they listen to messages from their loved ones who have crossed over. I have actually communicated with someone who was dying 
and spoke with her telepathically. So she would say the words and I would I would say them back to the person that was in the room. She couldn't speak, but she was able to speak through me. So until you've been in the place, until you've experienced all these things, you're going to be a skeptic. And that's okay because that's exactly where you're supposed to be. You're exactly on the journey that you have decided for yourself. And when you get there, you will get there. So if you asked me this question three years ago, I might be like, you know, oh, it might upset me. I might be sad that no one believes me. If you ask me now, I'm like, I'm good. You know what? I am so, I know who I am. I know my truth. And I speak it as honestly as I possibly can, whether or not anybody accepts it or not. And is it like it is on TV when you prove a skeptic wrong? Uh, Does their jaw just drop? And is there like this feeling that goes over you that's like, I tried to tell you, man. I've had those experiences. I definitely have had people that, you know, listen, even my mom, like she's been around me for so long. She knows all the wacky things that happened to me and all the, my clients and, you know, who I've spoken to for them. And she still is like, thinks I'm a little nutty. And that's totally fine because that's her lens. That's the lens that she's living under. So she's not ready to understand it. So, you know, it doesn't upset me. And to be honest, this is something people will probably won't tell you. I'm like the most brutally honest medium and channel you'll meet. And that is there's going to be misinformation and that is on purpose because there has to be some skepticism. You want us, we want to be skeptic because if we know everything about how the other realm works and what happens when we cross over, then why are we here on earth? Why are we here being human right now? We don't want to know all of that. You want to. So being a skeptic is just part of the journey. So it's okay if you don't believe people. And even I've noticed in some of my readings with clients that sometimes there's like Easter eggs thrown in there to throw them off too, because they'll be bawling at one point, knowing that the information is something that they, that I could have never known, but then there'll be something that'll trip them up. That'll be like, wait a minute. I don't know if that's true. And that's very much on purpose. It's because we need that little skeptic thing in there. We need to be skeptic. It's like the cliffhanger in a movie or a TV show. There's more of a chance that you'll come back if you don't know the answer than if you already know what the next episode is going to be about. Now, we're talking about channeling, you know, and, you know, helping people cross over and and talking to the dead and things like that. But what you do as well is you channel that energy into like for yourself or myself, or your clients for their careers as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So I work one-on-one with clients because I channel and I channel with this collective energy, which I've been given the term of the all. So like law of attraction, she channels Abraham. I channel the all and the all is just representative of our unity consciousness, our one mind. There's only, if you go searching in spirituality, you'll always hear this one phrase and that is we are all one. And so what that means is that as much as you and I are each individuals, there is also this part of us that is one is one thing. So we actually have two minds to think with, the mind of ourself, the mind of who we are on an individual level. And then there's the other mind, and that is the one mind. And so we all know the same stuff inside. That's why I say we're all channels. It's just we're not tuned into it. So I channel that one mind, that unity consciousness. And so I've written four books using that one mind to give me all the laws and principles of the universe. And so I know exactly what 
every single one of us on this planet is doing wrong when it comes to manifesting and creating a dream life. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not challenges to overcome and that you're still not going to be coming into obstacles and hurdles. That's part of your journey. But I just, I can explain to you some of the things that are holding you back from creating the very life that you you want to create. And there's, you know, lots of different laws and principles that I could you know, talk to you about and that I work with clients and help them to understand that will really open your eyes to some of the lacks or some of the limitations that you are creating for yourself. And what would you say when you're working with clients is, do you, is there like a small handful of things where what's usually holding people back? Yeah, I'll give you two examples. Number one is, uh, I think we talked about this before, you know, when we talked last week before this, and that is comparison. Comparison is a thief of joy. Comparison is the plague of the 21st century. It is how we keep ourselves away from the dreams that we want to create because we look at other people, especially with social media, and we think, oh, well, this person's doing that and I'm not get, I'm not there yet and that person's a host on this show and why, why don't I get to be that? And that person just won an Oscar and I've been working in this town for 10 years and I deserve that Oscar. And all of those comparisons are exactly the energy that you're putting out and everything in life is energy. So we live on a magnetic planet. So whatever energy we put out is what we attract back. So when you put that energy out of comparison, then you're just going to end up keeping away what your magic is and what you are going to create because of your thinking about other people getting something that you don't yet have. That's number one. Number two is and this is a universal theme, is our lack of patience. We are a very impatient race, and we want everything now, 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 now. And that is not the journey on Earth. In the other realm, because as I said, I know the laws and principles of the universe, and I channel, and I am a medium, and I've talked to people who have crossed over, is when we are on the other side, we create instantaneously. So you think of something and you want to be on a beach, you're on a beach. You want to wrestle with a bear, you can wrestle with a bear. But imagine if you were decided right now, if you, if Thomas, you're like, I want to wrestle a bear, and then a bear showed up in your studio. <laughs> that would be very scary, right? So on Earth, we have to have this lag time. There has to be a lag time between the thought and the manifestation coming true. So what keeps us frustrated is that lack time, that lag time, because it could be five minutes or it could be five years. But what we do is we set the destination and then we constantly stop and start. So every time we're moving towards our destination, knowing that we're going to be able to create it because we've already thought it into existence, we stop ourselves by comparing, by working too hard, by our frustration, by our anger, depression, all of those, those things are stopping you from getting to your destination. And it, those things seem like such natural things, you know, and I hear it all the time. And I know a lot of people hear it, as, especially the comparison thing. It's just like, but I feel like that is crucial. And I'm sure you can agree with me as well. And I've even, you know, started turning off a lot of my notification things with social media, just so you don't look. And I've noticed a small, you know, it's not a huge change, but I've definitely noticed it almost provides tunnel vision and keeps you off of that. Like, oh, he got this job because of this, or she got that role because of that. Yeah. And all of that just serves to take you off of your path. It's like, you just keep throwing up your own roadblocks and 
there's a quote in my books and it says, nothing happens to you that does not happen through you. So you are the person who throws up the roadblocks to getting to what it is that you want to create. And it really is as simple as that because you think those things, because you get frustrated that it's not happening. Because most people think if it's not happening now, it must not be happening. And so I'm either going to give up and not, um, you know, not do it anymore. And I'm going to go somewhere else, or I'm going to take a job somewhere else, or they give up because they're running out of money and their, you know, their lack of, of trust in themselves and belief in themselves throws them off course. And that's also part of our journey on this earth as a soul um, being a human is that we're trying to get to that notion of belief in ourselves and trust and faith knowing, and these are some going back to the, some of the laws and the principles of the universe is that everything's already been created, created by us. We already created it on a soul level. We already decided upon what we wanted to be in this lifetime. So if you are someone who has said, I want to be a dancer, I want to be a baseball player, and I want to win an Oscar, well, guess what? It's because those are things that you've already set into motion when you came back here into this little body that you have. And that's why you desire it so much. But that desire of wanting to get to what you already created is exactly what's keeping you away because you're so frustrated at not having created it. If I always implore people to look back on their lives and their career, and you can do this right now, and think about something that you set out, a goal that you wanted to achieve, that you set out, maybe it was in high school or college, that you've actually achieved and maybe it didn't take you 20 minutes or two years. Maybe it took you 10 years, but you did it. Is there anything you can think of, Thomas, that you've done? Yeah. I mean, I when I moved to LA and everything, it's so weird because I was actually just thinking this is like, you know, I got, I went the same route as you did. You know, I did the broadcast news thing only to get into entertainment news. And it's, it took me a while to get it took like, I think six months after moving to LA to finally get my job as an entertainment producer slash reporter with a network. But it's, <laughs> I'm just laughing at myself now. Cause when I say it, it's like, I got my dream job. Right. But my, my dream, dream job was E, you know, being on camera, being that host and that didn't happen, but it's like, but some of it actually did. And I think I need to, you know, step back and just be, you know, super grateful for that opportunity. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes the things that we desire so much, if we really step back and look at it, and if it didn't come to fruition, it was perhaps for a reason that there was something greater or something bigger for us that we can't even see. See, that's the problem is we look at things through our human lens and we don't see it through what's our, called our third eye or mind's eye, which is the lens of the spirit and the soul, which can see us, see for us something bigger and better. And oftentimes you think, oh, well, I never made that happen for myself. And then that's, again, how you're putting that energy of sadness out there. And that's what you're continuing to attract for yourself. It's like when you first asked me about, I said, I always wanted to be in entertainment tonight. And you said, oh, we never got there. And I was like, yeah, I did. I got on Access Hollywood. And to me, that was basically the same thing. So you just have to be not be so myopic with what you're thinking and really expand the vision and know that everything is always working out for your highest good, even when it feels like it's not. I think that's a big lesson that I've learned over the years is even when something feels bad, oftentimes it's for 
the next best highest thing where and how can we move and evolve beyond that and the other thing i always again going back to people looking at back at their life and what they've been able to create or not create is sometimes something happens and you get to the creation that you wanted and it turns out to be not so fabulous and it's really not exactly all it was cracked up to be so you have to be very clear when you look at that like oh maybe i was being saved maybe there were all those roadblocks because this wasn't the right thing and then once you experience, you go, oh, okay, been there, done that. Nope, don't need that anymore. Moving on. Uh, no, I agree. And it's just, uh, but then why is it such a hard pill to swallow? Because, yeah, I just, I feel like is, you know, I got to do what I wanted to do or a lot of people sometimes don't even get to do what they wanted to do. I, you know, talked to somebody who interviewed The Rock one time because The Rock wanted to be a famous football player, but that didn't happen. And he's, you know, and it's just when okay, but I feel like a question for you very easily. Uh, the Rock wanted yeah. to be a famous football player. If The Rock was a famous football player, guess what? He wouldn't be The Rock making millions and millions of dollars, not only being the star of movies, but producing movies. And, you know, so you can say that something didn't happen, but you're forgetting that something even greater could be happening for you. And that's what I'm saying about we always look at it through our human, our, our human self. That's what we call the ego. Our ego is constantly telling us we're not good enough. And oh, you didn't get that. And so you must be a loser. <laughs> Instead of like our soul, which is your ultimate cheerleader, like, yeah, let's do this. Let's go create amazing things. And maybe you think that being, you know, a reporter at the top entertainment news show is the end all be all, but your soul thinks that being the number one guy on a morning show is better for you. And maybe working at that entertainment news show was not going to get you to that end all be all. And so you just have to have, it's really just a perception change. It's a mindset shift. It's being grateful for everything that happens. There's a, if you've ever heard of Eckhart Tolle, he said something that really resonated with me. And that is act as if you've chosen it, no matter what it is in your life, act as if you have chosen it. Because if you knew you choose, you chose it, what would you do to shift it? So if you had chosen not to make it to that, that ultra echelon, that upper echelon, why would you have chosen that? What would be the reason? Well, I would say the reason is that maybe it's not all that you thought it was going to be. And it's, and I said this when we talked before, like as, and I could probably, when I go back to listen to this, I could literally feel myself stop asking the question because I already know the answer. <laughs> we all know the answers deep within, trust me. We all know the answers deep within. We just bury them because we don't want to face our truths. And how do like how long does it would you say it takes to kind of harness that ener energy and engage that power? Okay, so here here's the, the the honest truth on that. All of that is completely and entirely up to you. So we have free will. We have been given free will as the gift we gave ourselves as a soul when we came here, and each of us has it. And you are here choosing between going back to Star Wars, love and fear. You're either choosing the the uh, the force of the universe, which wants you to be happy and have joy and create all the things that you want in life, or you're using the force of fear, which is stopping you from creating all of those things. And you have the choice of which one you get to choose. Which do you pick? I, do I want to go this way towards the force of love or do I want to give in to the ego and the fear and the chaos? So you get to choose. And that goes back to how long does it take? 
it takes as long as you're willing. So if you are willing to spend every single day doing the work that it takes, the consistency that it will take to really, really open up to who you truly are, why you are here, how you can use your energy in the way that's going to bring you to the magic, then you can get there really quickly. But if you are somebody who is taking the long route by going on detours and being distracted and scrolling on social media and looking at other what are other people are doing and getting frustrated and trying every way possible to create the thing that you want to create, then you're not going to get there very fast. There's, there's a, a saying in my all of my books, and the saying is less doing, more being. So if you want to know what the spirits uh, on the other side say to us, what are they telling us? They always say the same thing. And that is we are not here to be running our heads off like crazy chickens. <laughs> we are here to be in a state of peace and quiet and calm. And as crazy as it is, to know this, we don't have to work that hard to create the things that we want to create. It is our mind that can do the work for us when we use it in the proper manner. But we can't use it in the proper manner when we're so busy out there running like those crazy chickens. And so it really is up to you. I made the choice that I was going to spend more time in my uh, being zone. And so I've gotten there a little bit faster than other people. But even having said that, I get distracted. I scroll on social media. I, you know, think of how many different courses can I put out there and how many more books can I write? <laughs> but I always know that the answer is not that. The answer is let things come to you because you know you've already created it. And this is like deep level stuff. We, like I could talk for hours upon this and sometimes I do with my clients, but the, the deep core level truth of who we are is that we already have created everything. We don't really need to do very much except belief. Belief is the magic trick that will bring you everything that you want in this life. Getting to that belief is your journey and you get to decide how long it's going to take you to get to that level of belief. And is there different levels? I know when we spoke before, you mentioned that there was like a level one and like, was it a level 10 or yeah, do you know what I'm talking about? Think of it like um, a ladder. So you have a ladder in front of you and there's different rungs of the ladder. And if you're trying to reach that upper rung, you have to start at the bottom, right? And so every time you move up the ladder, you're getting more of the piece of the puzzle. You're tuning more into your internal truth and your inner voice and who you truly are. And every time you follow that voice, then you get closer. It's like if you saw if you saw Frozen, uh, the, the sequel, Frozen 2, and she hears that voice and she follows that voice. And if she just kept following that voice, she'd get there really quickly, but she kept getting tripped up by different things being thrown at her. So you have to just continue to follow that voice. And every time you do, you're rising more and more up the ladder and you're learning more. Just like when you go to college you, and you're, even your, your education, you started at kindergarten, you know a little bit. And then as you study and learn, you get to know a little bit more and then you learn to read and then you learn to right? And then maybe you're learning math. And then as you get into college, you're learning more and, and even beyond that. And that's really the process of evolving is where, that we're just evolving up every single level or rung or whatever you want to call it. And the more that you do it, and this more time you spend with it, the more that you will open up and the more you'll start to resonate and recognize and understand. Because all you really have to do is remember, we all have what's called amnesia of the soul which is we have chosen and have been given when we come into these bodies. 
that we have asked not to remember anything because we want to discover it again for ourselves. So when you're going on this journey, however long it takes you, you begin to recognize, understand, and remember what is truth. So sometimes I say things to people and they're like, oh, that really resonates with me. It's like, oh, well, welcome back. Now you remembered your amnesia is starting to be a little bit erased. And so the more that time you spend in your consistent practice of it, the, the easier it will be and the further you'll come into your, your truth. There's one thing that my spiritual life coach you just used to say to me when I first started with her. She would ask me, what is your daily practice? And I'd be like, I don't know. What do you mean? She'd be like, well, do you meditate? Do you journal? Do you uh, read books? Do you spend time in nature? Do you express gratitude? What is your daily practice? And I'd be like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess I'm meditating. Like, and I was always like giving her excuses. And I never really did any of the things she told me to do until it was, it was my time until I was ready. And I used that free will to actually do the consistent practice she told me to do. And once I started doing that consistent practice is when my life started to change. And the more consistent I was, the more things change, the more I tuned into, into that intuition that we all have. And that's really what, it, what it's about. It's about making that free will choice to spend time with it. And what were those practices? So it started with meditation. So I became a meditation teacher because I hate meditating. <laughs> so it forced me to learn how to meditate. And I don't really meditate in the ran, in the way that like, you know, I'm not a monk. I don't sit and just like, um, I don't do that. I do what's a form of guided meditation and I teach guided meditation. I actually have a YouTube channel that is all guided meditation. And I realize now that I'm actually channeling the meditations. So you're, I'm basically, again, channeling with that one, that unity consciousness, these incredibly insightful, amazing meditations. So that's one thing I do. In fact, I'm in the middle of moving and it's going chaotically. So when we're done here, I'm actually going to do a guided meditation, to, which helps me to get centered during my storm. And then I put it out onto YouTube for people to use as well. So meditation was number one. Journaling, I started journaling every single day. I journal every day without like five, 10 minutes a day. No, I haven't missed a single day. And then as I more started journaling, I ended up, that's how I started realizing I was a channel and I was able to channel these quotes. So I channel these daily quotes that I post in my newsletter and on um, Instagram under wisdom of the all. And so that comes out every single day. And there are always messages for me that then I just put out into the world. I definitely follow the less doing, more being. So I try not to be as proactive with hustling and I try to let things come to me. I read every single day some book. I mean, I've probably read hundreds of books now that are in the mind, body, soul space, whether it's Eckhart Tolle, Wayne Dyer, Marianne Williamson, A Course in Miracles. I read every single day um, something. I actually reread my own books. I've written three books that are published and a fourth that I'm um, working on. And I reread my books because it's like my version of the Bible. And that helps me remember as well. I mean, those are just some of the things that I do. But that, that's really all of the type of things. It's the gratitude, having a gratitude journal. It really is just, if I could give it one word, it would be respect respecting your time as a soul. And how do you know when you're leveling up? I know we all have to start somewhere and we have these practices, but how do we, you know, how do you start? And then how do you, well, you just told us how you started, but like, how do you know when you basically level up, if that makes sense? 
awareness, when you are aware, when you start to become aware of coincidences, serendipities, of what I call signs and messages, you when you start to become aware, at first, you'll be like, wait, I feel like that's a message, or I feel like that's a sign, or wait, I was just thinking about that, and now that's showing up in my life, or I was just thinking about that person, and then they randomly called me out of the blue. When you start to become aware of all these little serendipities is when you've leveled up for the first time. When you laugh at your serendipities, that's when you've leveled up for a second time. When you're kind of like, oh my God, I literally was just thinking about this person and two seconds later they called me. That's when you're aware like, wow, maybe there is something to this. We're creating our reality here. So it really is just that awareness. And you'll start to notice, and this is what I was saying earlier about why I don't if people don't believe me or are skeptic, it doesn't phase me at all. It's like I, every single day, I get signs and messages and serendipities and coincidences of things that I've thought about and prayed on, miracles. Like they happen all the time to me. And it becomes to a point where you just can't ignore those miracles. And that's when you start to level up. And that's when I think you, when you're uh, going deeper, you'll start, you'll want to know more because you're like, wait a minute, I'm starting to get this. There is something way more than what meets the eye on my hu- on this human ride that we're on. So do you think it's a coincidence or serendipitous that you and I cross paths? Well, I will tell you this, as much as I use those words, there is no such thing as coincidence. Everything is exactly as it's supposed to be. You know, Going back to my books, in the beginning stages of my books, I was out there like hustling and trying to sell them and get everybody. And I wanted everybody in the world to know about my books and everybody to read them. And Spirit kept saying to me that only the people who are willing are going to find them and you don't have to do anything. The people who are going to read your book already exist. They're going to be led to you. So stop what you're doing and just being. And so, and that really has been true is that people just who need them will find exactly the curriculum that they need for them for them. So absolutely you and I were, you know, guided towards each other because in the spiritual realm this this has already taken place essentially. We already knew that we were going to be doing this podcast together. So that's why you just kind of let things arrive and I, I just get a sense of like, oh cool. Okay, yeah, sure. Like I guess that was supposed to happen. So definitely those type of things are always sort of par for the course, I would call it. And I'm also wondering as well, it's like, it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but you know, what if like five years from now, it's like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. Oh, you remember her? And then it's like something else bigger could possibly happen. Exactly. And listen, there is, it's always the start of a conversation and you never know where things can can lead. And going back to our practical side in terms of like just networking, like you never know who can lead you to the next big thing. You just, you you just let it arrive for you and use every every person who comes into your life and see where it goes. But also don't put that desperation on it. So I've said to many people, follow your inspiration, not your desperation. And so sometimes what will happen is somebody is connected to someone and they're so convinced that this is going to be the person that's going to like bring, you know, bring them to their dream that they end up pushing it away. 
So you want to just be very cautious with stuff like that. Like if somebody shows up in your life, then like just let that relationship take its course and see what inspired things like come up. Like I can't tell you how many times I've met somebody and they're like, oh, you need to meet so-and-so and they have a podcast or they have a show or people come to me and they're like, oh, you, I was on your show and I loved it and I want to be on and I think this person should be on your show. And so when those things come to you, they're always for a reason. So follow those, those little inspired things that show up for you. And is this type of channeling, do you think, is a necessity for success? Well, as I said, we're all channels. It's just if you tune in. But no, the answer to that is no. Not everybody really will have the goal of, oh, I want to you know, be able to, to do what you do. I want to channel. Some people are... are very easily tapping into their spiritual knowledge. I, you look at people um, like a Gary Vee and Tony Robbins and now Lewis Howes, Jay Shetty, all those people that are out there. And they're just using the power of the mindset, really. And that's all it is. It's just a mindset shift. It's a change in perception to create the life that they want to create. It doesn't mean you have to channel in order to do that. This is just what I had chosen on a soul level was that I was going to create a set, a series of transformational books that was going to help people on their journey. And the words that I use may not be words that everybody will understand or recognize. They may find what someone like a Wayne Dyer says that works better for them. Or they may find somebody who simply talk about the belief or, um, or your brain and how it works. So it's just whoever finds me is because they were guided to me and whoever finds them is because they were guided to them and maybe we're crisscrossing each other. But you definitely don't have to channel to be successful. All you have to do is be patient, have faith, trust and most important the secret sauce of life is belief oh it's 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 all great it's just because i'm just, as you were saying and it's just because i wasn't into it at all until like i was at just a really low point that i talked about in a previous episode of my podcast and it's like you just i got to a point where i was just desperate is is the only adjective that i can think of to describe it but just like asking the universe for help and it comes in weird ways. And like I said, just with coincidence and running into people, I just had a moment yeah, a few weeks ago with running into an individual who, I don't know, connected me to this other book that I loved. And it was just, I felt like the book was about me. And it was just one of those moments where I, I can't even describe, like I was getting, I was listening to the book, getting chills down my spine, down my left arm. And I'm like, well, if this isn't the universe or something telling me like you just keep going, dude, just keep going. <laughs> like it was it was blatantly obvious. We do live in an ask and receive universe and that is straight there in the Bible, <laughs> right? So, uh, ask and ye shall receive and that is very true. So, but it works the other way. If you don't ask, you won't receive. So, when you are struggling and when you are not sure what your next steps are, you have got to ask. And whatever you call that thing, whether you call it the universe, whether you call it God, source, any of that stuff, it doesn't matter. It's just about that asking. Because once you ask, then you are putting out the intention that you need to receive the answer or the help. And so you're simply creating your life that way. So that's that's a piece of advice that I always give to people is make sure you're asking. Everyone is, t I mean, I get my clients texting me all day long with their you know, issues and problems. And I love all my clients, by the way. And so I'm perfectly happy to help them because you know, I am further along on the ladder than they are. And so, but it's it's just the constant like, 
uh, barrage of why is nothing changing? Why is it the same? And it's like, well, are you asking every time, every time that the issue arises, you have to ask. It's We are on a planet that we are learning about thought control. Remember what I said, that when we cross over, we create instantaneously. So we're here to learn thought control. So if your thoughts are erratic and you're, and you're constantly being dragged down by your, uh, your ego and your fear, then that's what you're going to create for yourself. But when you stop and you're present and you're in, in your intention and you're asking, please help me, I don't know the answer, I don't know where to go, you're just basically asking the universe or God or source or whatever you call it to, to help you along the way. And that, that's so important. It's so key to constantly be asking for help. And would you say it's normal to sometimes be scared to ask for help? Absolutely. Fear is why we're here, you know, like thought control. We live on a planet that is based on love and fear. There's only two emotions and everything else is a subset of those. So everything is either love or fear. And so in order to learn about how to mitigate fear, then we have to go on this journey of getting rid of the fear. And that is a difficult journey. It's a very hard journey to get rid of our fears. We have so many fears that we're working through and so many complicated emotions and so many relationship issues and career issues. Just all those issues are what is helping us to learn how to mitigate that fear. And everybody goes through that. There's something that helped me on this journey, and that was something that Oprah Winfrey said. She, you know, she started her own network and she was so excited that she was starting this network and she thought that everybody was going to come to the network and people were going to watch it. And she was on this awakening journey and that's part of her, you know, part of her thing and is her spirituality now. And she's got her Super Soul Sunday show. And, and I remember this article and she said, when I first started the own network, I thought that I was going to wake everybody up and everybody was going to come on this journey and it was going to be super successful. And I very quickly learned that, oh my God, not everybody wants to wake up. And so she had to come to the realization that ultimately it was about her journey and nobody else's and that she couldn't, you can't awaken those who don't don't want to be awoken to their truth. So you have to just worry about you and your journey. And if somebody came up to you and was like, I loved what you said on this interview, or I've seen your work, or I've, you know, read your books, and I really, you know, I just really want to start to channel my inner power and everything like that. What is one thing I can do to make that happen? Sit down and talk to your inner self. Sit down and have a conversation with your soul self. Sit down and write anything to tap into that other part of you. Because like I said in the beginning, there is another part of us. It is our, you know, our individual self. And then there's this one mind that we all are connected to that we can connect to. So when you sit quietly and have those conversations and ask bigger questions, that's when you're going to start to tap into that. And in the beginning, it may not come right away. You might sit in front of a piece of paper or you may sit quietly and nothing will come. But the more you do that, the more you'll start to hear that inner voice and you'll start to discern between what is that ego and that fear and what is truly coming from our inspiration. So... I love to talk to people like when I 
do my show, All the Feels, on TV Co. about things that are channeled out in the world. Because when you are in that beautiful, quiet space, you will create the most amazing content or the best interviewer, the best movie. And how many quotes are there and even movies in the world that are based on this theme of love and fear that are putting out this beautiful inner voice. It's it's out there in the world. And when you are a- awakened to a certain level, you will notice all of it. There's even, I was just watching in 13 Reasons Why, season four, I think it was in the first episode maybe, that the character Clay was sitting with Gary Sinise, who was his therapist. And he said to him, Clay, he said, your body is, when your body is off, when your body is not feeling right it is speaking to you and it's and it's your mind it's telling your mind that your mind is not thinking properly so anytime that your body is is trying to show you something it's your mind speaking to you that right there is channeled that's what channeling is it's whoever wrote that is is just channeling what is the truth and that is such truth is that our body speaks to us all day every day and whatever pains and upsets it have it's always about what's going on inside your mind and that also goes back to what is not happening in your life if something isn't happening in your life it goes back to what's happening in your mind that's good stuff. Man, that's awesome. Well, I could keep talking about this stuff forever, but uh, where can people find you online? So they can find me on laurasaltman.com. That's my website. It's You can find you know information about my books. You can find information about working with me um, one-on-one as a client, whether it's you know, you're looking for spiritual life coaching or whether you're you know, trying to connect to somebody on the other side. And if you're somebody who's interested in learning how to channel and be a medium, I'm going to eventually be doing a course on that so I can help people open up to their own inherent gifts. So, And that's, that's the number one thing I said earlier about I want people to understand is that you are a channel. You are a medium too. You just have to learn how to tune into it. I could talk about this stuff forever and I'm going to put all the links to your website and all your social handles and everything in the uh, description below. But once again, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun. Hopefully I didn't, you know, scare too many people away with my spiritual guru-ness. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, what do they call it? It's like woo-woo or whatever. The, I don't know. I, you know what? I love it though because I can come from a place of the practical side of life, having been an entertainment reporter and work, you know, on national television and and now being in the spiritual realm. And I, and I think I, I'm not so woo. I'm set up instead of woo woo. I'm just woo. (laughs) (laughs) And the beautiful thing that about life right now is not only can I be, you know, the channel and the medium, but I also am able to share my voice in the world. I work for a company called well world TV. That is all about sharing positive, inspiring, uplifting information and I can be my authentic self on Well World TV. I don't know that I could be myself authentically on you know any other show, but on Well World TV, I can cross both my TV life and my woo life. I love it. Once again, thank you so much for coming on here today. I truly appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It was so much fun. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And I would love your help. This podcast is brand new, so I need all the help I can get. If you would, just subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating. I really, really would appreciate it. And last but not least, I got a little something for you. 
For the last 10 years, I have been writing, shooting, producing, editing my own video to get my dream job as an entertainment reporter in Los Angeles interviewing the stars. Now, that might not be your dream, but if you are in this industry and you are in this field, you are going to need to learn how to write, shoot, and edit, produce your own content. And now I want to personally train you on these skills so you can create your own journey and make money while doing so. So what I want you to do now is log on to Facebook and request to be in my private Facebook group, On Camera Professionals. Once again, it is called On Camera Professionals. But wait, Thomas, I really like your stuff. I really want to learn from you, but I don't want to be on camera. Don't worry. I got you covered. In this group, I'm going to be doing a live training, so that means live tips and tricks. I'm going to do giveaways, freebies, and I'm also going to do personalized training. So once again, log on to Facebook and type in On Camera Professionals, and I'll see you there.